0: How's it going, people? We're back, episode two. We made it another day. Um, I just want to say I appreciate y'all for continuing this journey of reading the whole Bible with me. Um, last episode, we you know we, we got to read Genesis one through eight. We learned about learned about Adam and Eve. You know how the way God started. You know Earth. We learned about uh, Cain killed the Abel come on man and then we ended it off with uh noah noah's art you know so that was a quick little recap of what we just went through now before we get started though i just gotta say please when you get the chance follow the instagram page at waves.of.unity so that way you can keep up with any um Posters that we decide to make and whatnot, dealing with this uh, podcast, and also um, my wife said something to me before, before we start reading. We got we got to we got to start it with a prayer, and and that's very important because you know we want to always make sure that we are protected. You know you don't know what's can be out here in our surroundings, listening to what we are doing. So we're gonna start this off with a prayer. And my favorite prayer is the Lord's Prayer. So bow your heads, close your eyes. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our trespassers, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. As thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. For never and ever. Amen. Always use the Lord's Prayer. It's my favorite prayer. Now, let's get started. We're on Genesis 9. And I want to let y'all know the translation that I'm reading is the New Living Translation. So, whatever translation y'all decide to use, you can follow along that way. And um, I just want just to let y'all know, man, I understand this journey can be hard. All right, I'm just a regular guy just like y'all are a regular male or female or whatever you decide to go by um we we just here to learn about God that's all it is so I'm not a preacher, I'm not any religious teacher or anything I'm just someone curious so just like how you're curious we're gonna be curious together and we're gonna go on this journey together so let's get to it like I said I'm Genesis nine. Um, New Living Translation. You can use whatever translation that, you know, you feel is right for you. All right. So, Genesis 9, Chapter 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the fish in the sea, Will look on you with fear and terror i have placed them in your power i have given them to you for food just as i have given you grain and vegetables but you must never eat any meat that still has the lifeblood in it and i will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life if a wild animal kills a person it must die and anyone who murders A fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. Now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on earth. Yes, I'm confirming my covenant with you. Never again will flood waters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures. For all generations to come, I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds and I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again would the flood waters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the internal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. Let's stop right there right quick. So I just want to say something. Um, This is is, is a lot that we just read. I want to take this in for a second. So, um, this is the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm not. Sh- I'm not 100% sure, but I do think um, in the New Testament some of these things are are, are, are written differently for the, for the for the New Age, of course. Um, but man, that's that's deep. You know, think about all the people who murdered somebody, and if this was those times, you, you pretty much dead. <laughs> like you, there's no, there's no, oh, you get a life sentence to sitting in a prison. Nah, you're going, you're dead. You're getting a sentence to death. And, um, the rainbow. Now I know a lot today's, the rainbow is, is it, it got a lot of different meanings today. We ain't going to get into it, but according to God, the rainbow is to symbolize that he will never, he made a promise. This is his covenant to us making a promise. That he will never flood the earth again. Not saying you ain't gonna have no floods, you know, and you, and you know, from natural disasters, you know, flooding will happen. But I, he's saying where the flood completely covers the entire earth. So now let's keep going. I'm, I'm on uh, chapter 18. The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan. Canaan, Canaan. From these three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the the ground and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine he had made and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, headed over their shoulders and back into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. When Noah woke up from his sumpter, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham, May Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. Then Noah said, May the Lord, the God of Sham, be blessed. And may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. May Japheth shed the prosperity of Sham. And may Canaan be his servant. Noah lived another 350 years after the great flood. He lived 950 years and then he died man So Noah <laughs> Noah felt disrespected by his son. <laughs> he like, hey, you just going to cover me up. Yeah. That that I I am not some somebody, you know, wherever you uh listening to this podcast, whether you watching it on YouTube or listening on Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music. Pandora or whatever, or or comment on the, on the, on the, uh, Instagram page, you know, unity. Maybe you can help us break that down. You know, why Noah was, was so upset with this, uh, with his son, um, covering, covering him up with a rope. I I would like to know more about that. So ways of unity people out there, Please help us break that down. Let's go to the next chapter. We're going to uh, chapter 10 now. Alright. This is the account of the families of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the three sons of Noah. Many children were born to them after the great flood. The descendants of Japheth. Okay. Before I read this, um <laughs> I do not know how to pronounce a lot of these names. So, if you're following along in your Bible right now, um, chapter 10 is pretty much breaking down all the descendants of each uh, of Noah's children with all the names. Now, I'm going to skip this part because I don't want to disrespect. Uh, God's people And these names But it's some great information So if you take the time In this moment right here To just look through it And um Scan with me With these names I, I, I would gibber up all these names Right now if I try to read it So <laughs> I'm gonna just save us the headache <laughs> But I am gonna read um Verse 32 and it said, these are the clans that descended from Noah's son, arranged by nation according to their lines of descent. All the nations of the earth descended from these clans after the great flood. So his three sons. So now we're going to we're going to go ahead and that, that's chapter 10. It's just breaking down um the descendants of, of Noah. And like I said, I don't want to I want to mess up those names. So let's let's move forward. And we're going to go to chapter 11. All right, verse 1. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia. I think I said that right. If I didn't, <laughs> bear with me and settle there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, "Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world." But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. "Look," he said, "the people are united, and they all speak the same language." After this, Nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. This is why the city was called Babel. Because this is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. Hold on, let me turn I need some air. So I'm assuming this is where God came up with all the different languages, you know, for the people across the the world. Let's keep going. Verse 10. This is the account of Shem's family. Two years after the great flood, when Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of... Here we go. (laughs) Somebody help me with this. Arfax... After the birth of Arphax, Shem lived another 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphax was 35 years, he became the father of Shalah. After the birth of Shalah... Okay, so we're doing this again. So look, guys. um, Verses 10 through 26. Okay. These These are another line of descendants. That we're going through. And once again. (laughs) These names. These names are different. And. Me not growing up during that time of course. It's hard for me to pronounce them. But I am going to. Read verse 26. Because this is very important. Uh, It says. After Tyra. Was 70 years old. He became the father of Abram. Nahar and Haran. Now, Abram is very important, so I just wanted to read that. Not saying that the rest of these people are not important, but Abram is very important, so we want to make sure we read that part. All right. The family of Tara. This is the Count of Tara's family. Tara was the father of Abram, Nahar, and Haran. Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth. While his father Tara. Was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahar both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sari, and the name of Nahar's wife was Milka, and Milka and his sister, her sister, Iskah, were daughters of Nahar's brother Haran. But Sari, Sari, was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day, Tower took his son, Abram, his daughter-in-law, Sari, his son's Abram's wife, and his grandson, Lot, his son's Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Shadim's. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Tyra lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Yeah, these names are chopping me up. But we're going to read further and these names are going to start to change. <laughs> yeah, well, we can understand them a little bit better. All right, Let's keep going. Oh, boy. All right, let's see. We on Genesis 12. All right. The call of Abram. That's what my is saying right now. All right. Chapter 12, verse one. The Lord has said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sari, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Mori. At that time the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there, dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the lord and he worshiped the lord then abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Nagib. so it looks like right here verses one through nine is just uh god showing abram as he continued to travel all the the land that will one day become his all right let's keep going verse 10 at the time A severe famine struck the land of Canaan, first in Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sari, Look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarah's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king. And Sarah was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarah Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. So, so Abram pretty much wasn't trying to take no chances. He was like, "Man, as beautiful as you are, you know, we gotta think. Back in these days, there ain't no police, <laughs> so <laughs> he's just walking in somebody else's territory. Anything can happen." So he was like, "Man, I ain't taking no chances. Say you my sister, that way we can we can just go in, and get through here, and see you another day." All right, let's go to uh, chapter thirteen. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev, along with his wife and Lot, and all that they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshipped the Lord again. Lot who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perzites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and and constantly sinned against the Lord. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west, I'm giving all this land, as far as you can see, to you and your descendants as a permanent possession, and I will give you so many descendants that, like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I'm giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak groove belonging to Mamre. There he built another altar to the lord. So in chapter 13, looks like Abram and Lot, you know, they continue to grow as a family, but you know, when you continue to grow, it's like it's like it's like the children, eventually they're going to have to move out the house because two adults growing with their families, it just it ain't going to fit. It ain't enough ain't no space for everybody. So they was able to, uh, come up with a conclusion and then, you know, they parted their ways. But also what I got from this, more than likely all of us come from Abel. because <laughs> this God said he given his descendants all the land. So many, 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 many generations ago, we all come from Abel. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's go to the next chapter, man. Let's get to chapter 14. Alright, verse 1. About this time, war broke out in the region. King Amraphel of Babylonia, King Ariok of Elisar, King, oh man, Kedolamar of Elam, and King Tidal of Gim. So, as I told y'all last episode, <laughs> I ain't the world best reader. But, if you can, when you get the chance, help us out. If you know these words to these people names, please help us out. All right. Verse two. Fall against King Burr of Sodom. King Bersha of Gomorrah. King Shinnab of Adam. King Shimber Shem- of Zeboiim. And the king of Bela, also called Zor. This second group of kings joined forces in Saddam Valley. That is the Valley of the Dead Sea. For 12 years, they had been subject to King Kadalamar, but in the 13th year, they rebelled against them. One year later, we're going to say K. We're just going to call him K. King K and his allies arrived and defeated the Raphaeites at Ashataroth, Karnam. The Zuzets. At Ham and the Emites at Shavah In the Harites of Mount Seir as far as El Paran at the edge of the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to, (coughs) let's say, it says now called (laughs) Kadesh. We're going to call it that and conquer all the territory of the Amalekites and also the Emorites living in Hazan Tamar. Then the rebel kings of Sodom. Gamaria, Adama, Saboim, Sub- and Bella, also called Zor, prepared for the battle in the Valley of the Dead Sea. They fought against King K of Alam, King T of Gorim, King A of Babylon, and King, the other A <laughs> of Alisar Four kings against five. Hold on right quick. All right. Four kings against five. Verse 10. As it happened, The valley of the Dead Sea was filled with tar pits. And as the army of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into the tar pits while the rest escaped into the mountains. The victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom, and carried off everything he owned. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram, the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, the Amorite. Mamre and his relatives, Esko and Aner, were Abram's allies. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. Then he pursued, pursued King K's army until he caught up with them at Dan. There he divided his men and attacked during the night. King K's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. After Abram returned from his victory over King Kay and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shavei. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. Mel, I'm going to call him Mel. Mel blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram, by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. Blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Mel a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord, God Most High, creator of heaven and earth that I would not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise you might say I'm the one who made Abram rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten. And I request that you give a fair share of the goods to my allies, Anner, Escal, and Mamre. So chapter 14, they went to war. All right. (laughs) All these kings and whatnot did what they did and they ended up capturing Lot. Alright. Lot people, somebody from Lot camp got word and, and found and and found Abram. And pretty much let Abram know what was going on. Abram got with his allies and he said, Well, let's go to war. Alright? And then that's what happened. But you know, Abram wanted to give, you know, people the people that helped him. You know, some stuff for helping them. But they was like, nah. <laughs> you know, uh, you catch it, but you may keep yourself all the goods. So, King Sodom was saying to Abram that he can keep any goods that they recovered. And Abram's like, nah, I, I don't want nothing <laughs> other than what was given, you know, as far as food and stuff. You know, they fair share. So, as that's pretty much led for uh, chapter 14. I and mean, You know what I got from that as well? Abram pretty much, I like what he did at the end of chapter 14. You know, sometimes we can get greedy, you know what I mean, and take more than what we want, you know what I mean, or what we need. And all Abram really needed was his, his nephew Lot, you know what I mean? And he just wanted to give to the people who helped him, you know, save his nephew, and I think that's, that's what a lot of us can sometimes get messed up, is we tend to go for more than what we need, you know, so, that's what I got from 14, all right, let's, let's keep going, guys, this, 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 this is fun to me, you know, um, it's my first time reading out loud like this, so, being able to read out loud like this with y'all, is fun, and, um, I wish I could pronounce these words. I probably should have listened to them before I I did this, but it is what it is. We're going to eventually go back and and get those words. But anyway, let's go to chapter 15. Let's keep this thing going. Let's go. All right. Verse one. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Elazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant would not be your heir. For you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look upon, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Remember that, y'all, faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Sheddings to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they'll be oppressed as slaves for four hundred years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. and In the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking firepot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates, Euphrates River, the land now occupied by the Kenites, the Kenzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perzites, the Raphites, Amorites, Canaanites, Gershites, and Jebusites. It's a lot of people. It's a lot. All right. Chapter 16. Now, Sari, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sari, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sari, with contempt. Then Sari said to Abram, This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Let's stop there right quick. Boy, if that ain't, if that ain't a woman they tell you to do something, And then when you do it, (laughs) then when you do it, and she find out that she made a mistake, (laughs) it's all your fault. Man, this goes back to the beginning of times, man. I love my wife, though. (laughs) All right, let's keep going. uh, Verse 6, Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then say retreated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Haggard beside a spring of water in the wilderness, along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sari's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fists against everyone, and, he will, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Bir Lahai Roy, or Roy which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Barat. So Hagar gave Abram a son. Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Man. It's men like that that age right now still having children. That's crazy. I don't even want no children that no 86. God tell. <laughs> All right man, let's keep going. Let's keep going. This is fun. I hope y'all taking notes or whatever. I know I'm moving kind of fast through here. I just want to make sure that we can get as much um, scriptures in as we can, and like I said, um, follow the Instagram page and, and drop your comments and stuff, and let us know what you what you what you got, what your interpretation of what I'm reading and whatnot. You know, maybe you can teach me something. I'm here to learn with you, as well as teach you, and as well as you can teach me. We all learn from each other. All right, let's let's, let's read this one last chapter right here before we close it out. This is uh, chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you and I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants it will be their possession forever and I will be their God then God said to Abram, Ham, your ability your responsibility is to obey the terms of the Covenant you and all your descendants have this continuing responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Sarah is now named Sarah. All right. Verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sari, your wife, her name will no longer be Sari. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. But God replied, no, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants and become the father of 12 princes. And I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you in Sarah by this time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. On that very day, Abraham took his son, Ishmael, and every male in his household, including those born there and those who he had bought. Then he circumcised them, cutting off their foreskins, just as God had told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. Oh, that got to be painful. And Ishmael, his son, was 13. But Abraham and his son, Ishmael, were circumcised on the same day. Along with all the other men and boys of the household, whether they were born there or bought as servants, all were circumcised with them. Now, that was chapter 17. Um, so, pretty much what, what happens in chapter 17, um, God pretty much makes a covenant with Abraham. You know, change, he changed his name and, and his wife's name. And, and, and guarantee that they will have a, a son, you know, and name him Isaac. And he's guaranteeing that, you know, Isaac will have plenty of descendants to come from him, you know. So this is a wrap, guys. Episode two. I really appreciate y'all for coming on this journey with me and reading the whole Bible. Like I said, if you guys can follow the um, Instagram page at waves.of.unity. To, um, to keep up with everything that's going on with Ways of Unity, and um, wherever you listen to this podcast—whether it's YouTube, um, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, uh, uh, was it Pandora, and Apple Music—if you're on this YouTube video, um, subscribe and like the video. You know, let's let's keep going. Let's try to touch. My goal here is to gain at least one follower to come on this journey with me every episode. So and to um retain the follower from the previous episode. So if it's just one of you out there, come on this journey with me and and we're gonna read this Bible together. We're gonna learn about God together and we're gonna continue to try our best to live, you know, a godly life. We you know we ain't perfect. You know, I'm not saying that you know gotta be perfect anything like that but this this is the first step that we that we need to take to get to where we want to go with god you know and there's no better way than having a scripture so with that being said i appreciate y'all for sitting with me listening with me or following along wherever how you listen and see y'all next time peace